In this episode, I was joined by one of the earliest big movers and shakers in the Upland metaverse, who has gone on to become one of the most controversial characters in the Upland community, DJ Shorts. DJ came into Upland hard and fast, quickly making a name for himself as an insatiable whale, particularly in the minting out of San Francisco. He played a big role in the early formation of the Node concept in Upland, went on to do huge community events related to his development of the Sunset Neighbourhoods, had one of the most successful early Upland-related YouTube channels, and was also a massive early supporter of the Spark, NFLPA, and Blockchain Heroes economies. Then things started to go sideways, which ultimately led to him being banned, blacklisted, and banished from large swathes of the Upland community, and apparently even the Upland Metaverse platform itself. My own personal history with DJ Shorts has been a complex one with us riding some pretty significant highs together to some very spiteful and at times ugly falling outs, both public and private. We touch on all of that, of course, today, along with loads of historical and contemporary perspectives on the space. Join us today as we explore the complex legacy of DJ Shorts and what it truly means to take giant swings in the metaverse and beyond. Warning, the information opinions within are solely produced the individuals involved contains content not suitable for anyone. All right, here with the one and only, the now, what would you say, the notorious DJ Shorts. How are we doing this morning, mate? I'm doing well, Ben. How are you? Pretty good, mate. Pretty good. Uh, first and foremost, just want to say thank you for being willing to jump in. We kind of touched on it a little bit before we got kicked off here that you and I have uh, some pretty complex history, shall we say, <laughs> some, some very high highs and some very low lows. That's one way of putting it, for sure. We have history. You can definitely say we have history. Yes. Now, your name is out there as probably, what, what's it been? Probably the last 18 months where you've been on the peripheral. Would that be fair? Oh, give or take. That, that's timeline. a good rough estimate. Yeah, so there's there's a lot of new people in the space that may hear some of the older folks, you know, whisperings of DJ Shorts and I think you're you're pretty famous most recently for your gorilla YouTube videos where they're there one minute catch them while they're there I I very rarely get to see some of those myself so that there's still been some echoes of DJ Shorts you know in the community and out there but a lot of people don't know the you know the very intense long history that you had before of you know all of the stuff that's kind of panned out in the last 18 months Sure, sure. Well, I'm happy to dive into that if uh, if you'd like. Yes, there's, there's a lot to unpack. So um, the usual general thing is, you know, who are you? How'd you get into the space? You know, all that sort of stuff. Um, as much as you want to stay, I believe there's snake breeding or something in your past, military service ship <laughs> or something. Forgive my poor memory. Yeah, uh, both of those things are accurate. That That is true. Um, so I'll, I'll start in uh, 2016. 2016 is when I got uh, introduced to cryptocurrency for the first time. Uh, I think I heard of Bitcoin, you know, right when it came out, but I just thought, oh, this is a scam. Why would I want to get internet money? Um, and then, you know, fast forward a few years later, 2016 um, got uh, started. Actually, before I ever bought cryptocurrency, I started mining uh, with my friend. Um, just using GPUs, mining Ethereum. Oh, and wow. um, and uh, so, yeah, I really never looked back from it at that point, kind of got in at the lows and um, did well with it. Of course, in 2017, when everything crashed, you know, I, I had no idea it was coming. And I, I, at the time, I was thinking, wow, this is incredible. It's going to go up forever. And uh, 
then it crashed. And that was actually the time that I was joining the military. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I went into the military and um, kind of put cryptocurrency on the I, I joined the Air Force. I was active duty Air Force for three years. I did a successful deployment to the Middle East. Um, and then uh, wh- while I was in the military the whole time, I never forgot about cryptocurrency. And um, after uh, that crash, I, I was actually able to get back in in the lows and um, I got some Bitcoin and held on to it while I was uh, doing my service. And then we all know what came next, the epic bull run. And that was kind of uh, when I got into Upland and I was looking for new projects and I just saw it pop up on Brave one day. I was just scouring the, the Internet and I thought, wow, this is interesting. And they had the USD out, which was really appealing to me. I thought, wow, this is something that's different and started doing a little bit of research and um, got in. And I, I started with a hundred bucks. And before you know it, I was like the fifth chief executive in the game. So it didn't take long. I think within two or three months, I was already chief executive or, or close. Um, so I started in a big way and uh, that had never really been seen in the community. Not Nobody had really entered in that kind of way before. And uh, I'm sure that you could add add to that. You were you were there for most of that. Me and you were kind of uh, doing our thing and, and some other people, too, at, at that point in time. So um yeah uh what else uh what yeah well uh, i I was gonna ask because i was looking at your charts before and kind of getting ready for this trying to track your history and you did come out like a you know bullet a gate or whatever the term is um so that's interesting yeah i I tried to look i tried to look if that was if you'd done that move prior to the usd yet but you're saying the when you came in usd it was an option no i put the money in before usd out was an option yeah i thought so all right. Well, yeah, let's let's unpack that because um like you said and I put it down in one of my notes. You you were one of the first big players who not only talked up a big game with big ideas, but you also put your money where your mouth is in a big way. And that was long before that became normalized. Prior to you um there was Dizzy Disky and a few other people that had significant like uh UPX net worths or whatever, but that had been built up over a bit of time, um, whereas you just came like screaming out of the blue. So for people that aren't aware of that, I will bring up your charts here. This is care of UPX land. So you, when did you get in? So you got in March 3rd, 2021. So that was, you know, a year and change after it had all kind of started to take on so the community at that stage was small but it was pretty well established you know we had the usual players you know everybody knew what was what who was going to buy where sort of thing um but then yeah you just came out the gate and holy mama look at this chart so started off and within i think i had a look before three weeks it was within three weeks your net worth was over 50 million upex so that's my, I, I don't know what my net worth was at the time. It might have been, I would have been an, ex, I would have been an executive. So mine might have been, I, I don't know, maybe twelve million or something like that. But that had been built up over a year's worth of buying, selling, trading dividends, and all this sort of stuff. But yeah, you just smoked past a whole bunch of people with a significant cash injection. Yes, uh, that that sounds pretty accurate. Um, and uh, yeah, I think it actually at the time I. I was really, uh, 
and I still think this, I, I think it was the right play. I really do. I think um, I was early and it wasn't, you know, I wasn't there at the very beginning, but it was, it was still pretty close. And I really saw those unminted properties sitting in San Francisco and I could just kind of see where the future was going. And I just thought, wow, you know, this is an opportunity to get in kind of in a big way on, a, on an early project. And um, I didn't know what I was really doing. I had an idea generally, um, but definitely a big risk. But like I said, I, I've been in the I've been in the crypto space for years and years before this. And I've gone through scams. I've lost money and stuff like that. So I was prepared for that to be a, a possibility. Yeah, so not only you know, you didn't stop there. Basically, I mean, look at look at that chart from the netway. It's just bonkers. That first dot just goes ballistic, and then you were what are you there? So you hit, yeah, you would have hit chief executive, just pretty much at the end of the month. So within a month, you've gone from zero to chief executive, which is in USD terms is a hundred thousand USD equivalent. You know, in air quotes. So yeah came in just like screaming out of the blue and everybody at the time was like, who the hell is this guy? So yeah, made a big splash. Now we had been, you know, you pinged me on pretty early as part of you know, some of the strategic plays you were looking at uh, buying into and just kind of getting a feel for what was happening in the community and that sort of stuff. Um, maybe, I don't know, maybe you can speak to how small the community was back in those days and how kind of, it was kind of pretty clicky and it was kind of very, kind of little niche groups everywhere yeah it's almost night and day from where it is now or, or where i imagine it to be now i've i've removed myself a little bit the past year or so um yeah. but uh even even before i left it was so much so much different than than when i joined uh yeah the the it was almost like every single property transaction people were noting back at that time because I think it was just San Francisco and Manhattan, if if I'm not mistaken. It was just those two cities. So well, it might have been it was Fresno, a lot. maybe. I don't know. If I, I think you're. I think you're right. Yeah, but it, it, it was a lot less properties to to keep track of, and you know, a lot less cities. So, yeah, it was it was definitely a, a different different situation than what is currently happening for sure. Yeah. Now I had last night before I went to bed, I had a bit of a look. Um a little bit of searching on the discords to look back in time and see some of the tweet, uh, not, I was going to say tweets, but some of the posts that were mentioned back then, there's a few that stood out. Um, I've got one 27th of March by heavily bills. And he's got here, there was, there was a conversation about, um, might've been big movers and shakers in the area and heavily bills has said, uh, there's two people so far, DJ shorts and dizzy disky DJ shorts joined the 50,000, usd club on march 20th so that kind of just reflects what we're saying and then uh there's another one here from nubex which is a classic and that's on the 23rd of march so a few days prior um he's there was some discussion about uh minting in san francisco and he's got dj shorts minted 1690 properties in outer sunset which even just that property count at that stage was there was not many people that had that many properties so there would have been dizzy tm yourself and i don't know that there was many others that had i certainly didn't have that many properties i don't believe at that early stage because that was pre udu that's pre all the big push for san francisco 
Uh, as, as far as what other people had, I don't really remember. I was just going for what I thought made the most sense at that time. And a sunset specifically was unminted collection properties in San Francisco. So I was just gobbling those up and, uh, the, the too stupid and TML were, were pushing sunset. So that, that, that was also part of it. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, Maybe, um, and people nowadays, they don't really get that aspect where there was just vast swathes of San Francisco, like the majority of Manhattan, aside from the, you know, the prime locations in financial district and whatever, they, they were just left there unminted for weeks and months. And you could just pick and choose at will what you wanted. It, it was just all within your own budget where nowadays it's just, you know, scramble for what you can get as far as collections and whatnot. Oh yeah, it was totally different. You could take your time. You could get pretty much whatever you wanted, and even most of the markups were still pretty reasonable. So if there's something you wanted, you could probably make a deal for it at a reasonable price. Yeah, well, I used to do every now and then when I was, I'd be chasing something that I wanted to buy in Manhattan, and I'd go and sell a hundred in a Richmond or out of Richmond properties for three and a half thousand upex each. It was just, just crazy, crazy times. I think I picked up a couple of those. <laughs> yes. So that was, so after all that happened, so you're getting, you're pushing then towards the end of March, um, 2021. And that's when I started the whole Midtown Terrace push. You joined in for that. And then of course you were yourself and in Venom at the time who he was another player that kind of just seemed to come out the blue and, you know, started splashing money around and making big moves as well. Um, we all got together as part of a thing and that's where that whole UDU concept came together as part of um, taking that there had been that uh, neighborhood development mentality out there that, that had preexisted it, but this was taking that to the next level where we were, you know, coordinating different neighborhoods into the node concept um, that has since been completely bastardized as a concept in the community. And one single thing, you can have a building and call it your node or whatever, but, yeah, maybe speak to that process of how those early days of that involvement and kind of the the hype and the you know we as a group the UDU we came out the blue and just blew people away. People were kind of worried that we were going to monopolize the whole game, and we were kind of half kind of jokingly going for that, and you know got a lot of people's noise uh, noses out of joint at the time too, and we kind of loved. It. It was a blast. Honestly, that was a ton of fun. Uh, that was probably some of the best times I had in Upland. Um, and and to, to kind of put a uh, picture to it, at that time, that's when the bull market was raging. Bitcoin was pumping. The stocks were pumping. Everything was pumping to the moon. And, you know, it was just a crazy time in, in general. And, and Upland was also experiencing craziness in its own unique way. And um, I think what we were we were looking for um, an idea of what to do with these properties. Like what makes sense? What are we going to do now? We've got these properties. What are we going to do with them? And then you came and had that, had the note idea and it instantly clicked with me. And I thought, wow, this is a great idea. This is definitely what we should do. And so I jumped in right away with you and, and we started, um, doing the UDU thing and, and, and in Venom jumped into and I think it was I think it was us three who minted out San Francisco yeah that it that turned out the last three properties that minted was yeah us three it was hilarious yeah that was pretty cool so it was it was me and you and Venom we we closed out the the first Upland City so that's 
you know, that's a pretty cool thing. And, and that's, that's gonna, you know, stand, stand forever, you know, Upland history. So that was really cool. And it just kind of part of the excitement at the time, it just all, all snowballed into, to, into what it was. And, um, yeah, we, we, we started with, with your node there, Midtown Terrace, and then we moved over to other nodes and some of them were more successful than others, but it was an experiment. It was a learning process and there was a lot of things. We, we, we weren't certain that this was the best thing to do, but we, we all agreed it sounded like a good plan and we, we put a lot of energy and effort into moving that forward. Yeah. And that, that's, um, those last three properties in San Francisco, that was at the tail end of something that we'd been doing for a few months there where we were going in coordinated strikes and just destroying neighborhoods just in venoms what did he call it the sea of blue or something i think one of the early <laughs> up interviews he did with uplando or something um yeah we, we would coordinate and say okay now we're going to do it was Balboa terrace or lone mountain and we'd just go in and just decimate these places just minting them up like a firestorm absolutely Absolutely. And we'd take turns too. We'd switch off. Yeah, we just, that was, that was a lot of fun. I, I miss those days. Yeah, do you remember that? That was back when TML was running his own fan server and there was a tracking bot there that you could see pe what people were minting. And we would deliberately, there was people that were following that bot and following us because they'd heard about this node concept and they're trying to jump in to mint up these properties with us to then flip them to us at a premium. So we were deliberately setting false flags <laughs> and all that sort of stuff. So, Absolutely. Had to play the game. Yeah. So that, there was a lot of, a hell of a lot of fun in those, those early days. Um, and then of course, pretty early on, we kicked off and started doing team meet, meetings and that sort of stuff. And you were instrumental in, the early days of setting that up. Like I, I ran the first one and then as I put it over to you, I'm like, do you want to take this other? Cause this is not something I'm comfortable at all doing with. And you just kind of picked that up and ran with it. Yeah. I was grateful for the opportunity and um, it was, it was a great learning experience and got to connect with a, a lot of interesting and uh, cool people through that experience. So I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity. And then of course you started your own YouTube channel and that was probably one of the most successful early YouTube channels. I like, I remember you interviewed Edan and uh, other big players like Octavius and all sorts of stuff. And you used to put a lot of content out, out there as far as, um, you know, general information stuff. Um, you also ran a lot of competitions and giveaways. Maybe speak to that whole process. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, in the spirit of, you know, growing and, and growing my channel and, and, and growing with Upland and uh, at learning and exploring and experimenting and um, trying to connect with people. And uh, yeah, it, it was fun. It was a fun experience. Yes. Now, what have I got here next? So that was, oh, that's one of the things I saw. This might've been semi-recently. There was conversations happening about purchasing landmarks. And we have seen like, probably over the last two years, um, other big players like Abdullah or whatever is just cleaning them up or there's other, I think it's um, Maddox or somebody will buy the landmark and then flip it to Abdullah or something at a profit. But back in those early days, landmarks would sit there and nobody was going to, <laughs> nobody was, um, you know, putting bids in for the auction. Didn't you pick up one or a couple of those where you were the only bid or something like that? I thought I read something. So there, there was two realistically that I could have gotten and 
I, I passed on the first one that was in San Francisco. Um, the one up in the northeast corner, the name is escaping me right now. Um, oh, not the ferry building or whatever is it? That big one? Or no, the... it's it's uh, Coit Tower. Coit, Coit Tower, yeah. They they dropped that one not too long after I joined. I can't remember if Invenom was around at the time or not, but um, mm. I definitely could have gotten that one. But I passed because the collections that it could have filled. Yes. Um, the the boot the boost on that one isn't great. I think mm. the only one you can put it in is City Pro. Mm. Um, and then so the next one that came out, I'm not sure if you know this whole part of the story, but the next one was the uh, the big one in Manhattan, um, the uh, the the 40 million mint one. Uh, I, that name is escaping me as well. Um, what was the stock building or? Well, anyways, uh, yeah, I'm sure on the tip I'm sure of my we'll tongue. That one. Yeah, Rockefeller right. Center is that it? <laughs> Rockefeller, thank yeah. you. So I'm not sure if you know this part of the story, but me and Venom were were on a side chat debating who, who was going to go for the Rockefeller Center. <laughs> and we both loaded the money and he got it before me. I was going to go for that one because that one had the full boost, I think three or two point nine. You know, I don't remember exactly, but um, he ended up getting it. And uh, yeah, I wish I could have got that one. But after that, I, I the competition was starting to heat up and I, I never even went after any of the other ones. Yeah, that, that was a tricky situation because, yeah, you had to have the UPX, you had to have it loaded up, ready to go. So if you missed it, well, then you're sitting there with 50 million UPEX burning a hole in your pocket and you don't want it sitting there doing nothing. So, yeah, you start the sweats, I imagine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> May have contributed to some extra minting. Yes, absolutely. So um, that's interesting. Now, the Coit Tower, what did you think about the whole process of some of the buildings that came out for those? I, I think that, that ferry road building that's on the, it's in, it might be in the financial district, that looks really cool. The Coit Tower bloody thing, when that came out, I was like, it looks tiny. It looks kind of ridiculous. Yeah, once I saw it, I was happy that I didn't go for that one. It doesn't look great. Yeah. Dodged a bullet, perhaps. I think so. Yes. All right. So... Yeah, back in those early days with Invenom, um, I had lots of chats with him one-on-one. -on -one. I know you did. We had lots of three-way calls and this, that, and the other thing. Um, and then he kind of just got completely sidetracked with his Green Rabbit project and went in that direction. Um, but before that, there was that whole thing with uh, Upsquared Land and all the promises that he was putting out there about that. We were finally going to have property management tools. You remember he had... Um, he, on one of those early UDU meetings, he got his Indian developer in and he was showing us the, you know, the cards and how we were going to be doing all that stuff. I look back at that times and think, you know, that was such a missed opportunity. Um, with everything else that came to light afterwards, I'm not fully aware if that was just pure bullshit. Was that all smoke and mirrors or I, I, I don't know. Do you have a line on any of that sort of thing? I mean, what, what he's to, to explain it as simply as I can, what, what Invenom told me was that the, the API access that he could get was not what he needed to make what he wanted to do happen. And I kind of just left it at that because, you know, it was, uh, he was a bit frustrated about the whole thing as well. Um, yep. I, I'd like to believe that his intentions were to, he, he was going to do what he said he was going to do. What, what the truth is, I, I'm not sure. But yeah. it, it was definitely a mess. 
Yeah, well, we said at the time, like, if, if this comes to fruition, it's going to completely revolutionise the game and we're all on board, which it still would have done. And what are we I'm, – I'm about to start my fifth year in Upland and we still don't have property management tools. And that's what that whole thing was back then. So It's frustrating. Yeah. So um, what about um, – because I know – Remember that there was that whole thing where I think it was part of the upsquared land and it might have been, yeah, it was after he'd, after he'd minted that Rockefeller Center. Didn't he like get a private jet and flew to San Francisco and met up with them and <laughs> that whole thing? <laughs> I, I met him down in LA. I, I didn't get on that's the right. yet, but that's I, right. I, yeah. I remember seeing the pictures. I, I, I think that's what happened. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, there was very, very unique times, shall we say. All right, so we'll go back and we'll go back and have a look at your chart again. So now, one of the things that really sticks out with your chart is the big discrepancy between your mint net worth and your property's net worth. Um, so what that tells me is that not only were you prepared to, first of all, put a lot of money into the thing to get going, but you were also prepared to put a lot of money into buying up the secondary with a long-term vision of, you know, obviously you wouldn't be doing that unless you thought it was going to have future value down the track. You know, you, you were taking a kind of maybe a high-risk gamble, but that it was going to pay off. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and I think that, you know, after I minted all those properties, it made sense for me to keep going after the secondary market, you know, um, definitely a high risk gamble. And I, it did kind of end up biting me in the butt there. But um, yeah, I, I said to myself, you know, the property earnings are great, but the capital gains earnings are even better. Yeah. So if I just, if I just kind of chase and, and at that point in time, they, they definitely were the, the, the capital gains earnings were blowing property earnings out of the water. Um, and, and, and of course things change, but, um, that was my thought. And then to, to further con consolidate that thought, it was, it was San Francisco to me, you know, it, it's the Genesis city and it's, it's special and it'll always be special. And it, no matter how many more cities they come out with, San Francisco is always going to be the first one. So, uh, I was happy to keep investing in San Francisco and, and solidify my original and then, um, it, it didn't start off this way, but it turned into uh, a treasure map. So yes. what, I, what I ended up doing, I was, I was happy to keep filling in uh, spots on my treasure map. And by the time I was finished, I, <laughs> I had a pretty, pretty tight treasure map there in San Francisco. It was down to uh, about a half a cent average per treasure. Well, yeah, I can only just imagine like, um, what are you looking at here? So properties, Pretty quickly, you were up around the you know four or five thousand property range, and of course you had a bunch in Oakland. You would have had some in Manhattan, but you were a significant percentage of those were, was San Francisco for the tre treasure map. I was like ninety five percent San Francisco. Yeah. Yes, yeah. So I kind of bought into that whole when Upland first came out. It was San Francisco is always going to be the Genesis City. It's it's the golden child. San Francisco first, and then other things. But the history since then has I don't know if that's just been lost and forgotten. But there's so many things now where San Francisco seems almost a bit of an afterthought. I know as somebody that started way back then that that often gets me. Um, scratching my head, uh, face palming, uh, sucking my teeth. There's many ways you could describe that. 
what what's the old saying if i knew then what i know now yeah, yeah. Wow. so I, I would have I would have definitely done things a bit differently, but I, I still think it was a, a pretty decent play at the time. Yeah. So, well, what's some of the things that you would have done differently? I know for myself, like when Manhattan first released, I kind of went in dribs and drabs there and I put in a bit of extra funds via the crypto um, pass. I would like you could trade in crypto for UPX or whatever. So I, I work with FSA agents there to kind of buy up a lot of the cheap floor. But that was after Dizzy and a few other people had had free reign for a month or more to just scoop up. Like you're talking Manhattan's minting for 2,000, 3,000 UPX back in the day. So that's, if if I had a, if if I know now what I knew, or however you bloody say it, if, if if I could go back in time, shall we say, yeah, I would just go just gangbusters in Manhattan. Oh, for sure. I would have too. Yeah. Yes. And then, I mean, uh, for as far as a, a monetary gain or, uh, you know, uh, a, as far as growing more quickly, Manhattan would have, would have beat San Francisco for sure. Every, every time. Yes. And then we did see too, that the market there got kind of purposely manipulated. That's the only way you can, you can say it. We, you were talking about, um, you know, I forget, was it Manhattan selling for a hundred USD and high hundred thousand UPXs? And now we're looking, even now the UPX prices got back quite high. I think it's the last podcast I did, it was 80,000, but the USD floor is like $30, $35. It's crazy how that's dropped. I, I, I remember seeing Manhattan over 250,000 and no, no properties cheaper that's than right, that. Yeah. And, I, it was a short time period, but uh, it, it definitely happened. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, aside from that, anything else as far as, like, those early moves you would have made that you would have maybe gone in a bit heavier somewhere or a bit less somewhere else? Um, I would have played the dividends game a little bit more. You know, uh, I had a – especially at that point in time, I had an opportunity to get some collections that would now be very difficult to get um so i probably would have chased those a little bit harder but um ah, yeah mo- mostly uh, would have diversified a bit more yeah well i played that game and i got screwed on that too so i went i was all in on dividends i think it was december 2021 i finally cracked two million upex per month dividends and within weeks they they cut the rate from whatever it was 17 to 14 and i dropped way back down so i'm actually I'm right on the cusp again. I think I've got twenty, another 24,000 UPX and I'll back to the two mil. And I, I put it at a couple of weeks on the UPX, uh, no, I keep saying UPX podcast, but on the on the Upland Down Under podcast that maybe on the mocker for that, as soon as I tick over two million again, what do you know? They'll, they'll slam it down again. So it'd be funny if that happens. You got to stay one, you got to stay one UPX under just for the community's sake. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's... <laughs> Maybe that's the thing, yeah. So we'll have to go and go and visit a witch doctor or something if I do go over to get some yeah. get some better vibes going on. So yeah, I, I did go all in on the the dividends, and yeah, of of course that that has helped a lot. But yeah, it was frustrating to see that come through. Um, as far as predictions for where we're going to go next with the dividend rate, I know you've been kind of out of the loop for a while, but given the 
given the general market sentiment that's out there, you know, in the in real life situation, you know, we've got Bitcoin and uh, other cryptos just starting to move now. But um, I don't know what it's like in the States, but we've had, I don't know, a dozen or so interest rate rises in a row. It's been plateaued, I think, the last couple of times they could have raised it, they didn't. I'm personally expecting that we still got way more pain to come, like heaps more. I, I, I don't think we've even scratched the surface. As far as real world or in, re- or? in real life stuff, yeah. I, I agree. Uh, generally speaking, uh, the the markets don't crash while they're hiking interest rates. They crash after they start easing interest rates or slashing interest rates, and that hasn't started yet. So if history is any indicator, then it should be expected that when the U.S. Fed starts to cut rates, that's mm. when we should expect the pain in the markets to start. Yeah. And that that does bleed through. Now, you're, you're kind of a prime example of something that I w- always mention when I talk about this sort of Web3 in real life, the market correlation there. What what we've typically seen, even, even though it is a very short history, what, what we've typically seen is if the in real life markets like the traditional, you know, stocks and bonds or whatever you want to talk about. If if they're doing well, then some of that profit bleeds off into crypto, that pumps. And if that's doing well, then that bleeds off to NFTs. You know, Upland was a prime example as and that sort of stuff. As, is that your kind of vibe on the whole situation? Yeah, you know, the, the traditional markets have been around for so long and they, they kind of do what they do and they're, they're basically controlled by the banks you know whether whether or not you want to say it that simply or not that's kind of what it comes down to in my opinion at least and um so i like to i like to relate things back to bitcoin because it's kind of its own wild beast and it 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 tends to do what it wants to do but it seems like the traditional markets and bitcoin are starting to um come to that boiling point where they're either going to merge together in some sort of way or one is going to triumph over the other. And I'm not sure that's the best way to say it, but it looks like that's where we're heading. And it, Bitcoin really uh, is still chugging along. It looks pretty good. It doesn't look like it's uh, been defeated by any means. And it's back up there into the 40,000s, where, wherever, you know, it fluctuates a lot. But it's a, it's a lot of money for one Bitcoin, that's for sure. And um, yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see what actually comes of it all. But um I do agree when, when the markets start to get heated is when we see uh, I'll call up turn uh, I'll call upland an alternative investment. Yeah. Um, that's when we see those those alternative investments really start to do well again is when the traditional markets and, and Bitcoin are doing well. And it's actually after they've done as good as they're going to do is when we'll see the alternative markets do as good as they're going to do. So probably after Bitcoin makes its next all-time high, assuming it makes a new all-time high, I would imagine six to 12 months after that is when you'll see your altcoins popping off. Yep. Yeah, and then, but on the flip side of that, like if, if the alternative investments like Upland and whatnot, if they're the last to pump, they are the first to dump. If there's any quarter sort of in real life pain, and this, I, I can speak from exact personal experience myself like um, probably six to eight months ago when those interest rates started to kick in and we had some credit card 
uh, debt at the time. And I was like, look, I, we just need to get this smashed out so that we're a bit safer with the mortgage payments and that. So I sold some stuff in Upland, probably cheaper than I would have preferred to. And I sold certainly a lot more of it than I was kind of comfortable at the time. And yeah, it's kind of last to pump, first to dump. I guess that, that's how I'd say. I, generally speaking, yeah, that's pretty much. Yes. So, yeah, as I said, I, I think there's there's a whole bunch of stuff still to get shook and shaken out of there in the traditional markets and that. So I'm we're being very conservative, I'd just say, on the like the home front budget with the in real life budget. Yeah, with, with real life, I think there's a lot of things that could still go wrong that would send the markets down in a hurry. Yes, absolutely. All right. So going back to kind of your the big moves and investments that you did make. Now, it wasn't only properties that you went, you know, big time on. You were also, um, again, I think Team's a classic example, the early NFLPA system. You went, from memory, you went pretty heavy and pretty significant on that in the early days as well. Yeah, so the NFLPA legits were some of the first things that you could buy for Upix that was not properties. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't it wasn't the very first 2020s. Those were USD mostly, I think. Um, but when they changed that over the next year, I, I went in, I think I did about 10 million Upix worth of those things. So that was, uh, yeah, I went in pretty hard. <laughs> what was your kind of vision for that? Was that, was that looking to, because at the time the kind of, the what do you want to call it the blue chip nft markets you know board ape your club and all of that that was kind of kicking off um we did see at the time too was that when the nft portal was open or was that that would have been prior to the nft portal wouldn't it um you know i think that you could bring in block explorers but i would ha- i would have to you double check that timeline out. yeah so definitely play- couldn't take them out yeah so was the play there like? Because remember there was what was the other one? Um, there was the basketball NFT project, and some of the prices on those. I know T Davis and them were just making mad money on those. Top what, shots, top shots, yeah. So was that was that your kind of thinking that you know you're taking a gamble that this might be the future equivalent of that? Um, partially, uh, I was looking at it as something that I could potentially make money at, but. I also th- thought it would just be something fun, um, more of a hobby side of things. And um, uh, I-, I was hoping to make money at it, but I had limited expectations. Yeah. And did you, like, we've seen your property numbers drop right off there too. Have you have you held onto those? Have you sold of those or what have you done there? Um, I- I've still got a, a couple hundred left, um, yep. but I- I've sold most of them. So that was the NFL PAs. Now we, you did mention the the block heroes, isn't it? That was the um, what are they called? The bad crypto podcast. That was their whole deal. Um, you went pretty yes. heavy on those, buying those up on the Wax blockchain. I did, I did. After they came out, um, they kind of had the, the the classic pump, and then they just trickled down and down and down. And as they keep, they kept falling in prices. I would just go on Wax and and buy the individual cards and. I was buying them really cheap. I, I can't remember the exact prices I was paying, but um, I was I was pretty much just buying the common cards and, and a, a few rare ones here and there. Um, but I was able to stack up hundreds of those very cheap. And did you move any of those through through the portal? All of them. 
Oh, really? Yeah. And that's that. Now we do. We have seen that open seas come out, and you can get them out. Did or was that? Did that all happen after you'd kind of moved away? Right. Yeah. I uh, I wasn't around when when they created the out part. Yeah. I I still haven't moved a single one in. Like I, I bought up a fair few of those common ones as well. I I think I think the floor might have been like one two wax, and I got maybe 40 or 50 of them and i thought you know i'll just see what happens here or even just to you know in home experiences like my property in upland i'll just plaster the walls with these things which is another thing that was we're still waiting on all this time later so yeah that's that's going to be frustrating to put that kind of investment in and then they're kind of stuck in there jammed up in there so they're still all sitting in your account they're just sitting in there yeah (laughs) wow all right (laughs) So, and then of course yeah. you you were also big on the block explorers. You went ham, goblin, all those up as well. Yep. Including, yep. I but believe, I, I did that. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, including you. I think you were one of the first people that started to invest in buying up the secondary one of one block explorers, like other people's director block explorers. I, uh, I did have a good handful of those at, at one time. Uh, yes, I thought maybe, you know, they're, they're one of one, so they'd be more unique. And, uh, yeah, I'm not sure how I feel about Block Explorers anymore. I, I was expecting utility for them by now, and we just never never really got around to the utility part. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yes, I was talking to somebody recently, and I've, I've, I've kind of – putting it out there that we got to stop saying soon and we need to start using eventually, eventually it might happen. Eventually. <laughs> One day. One day. Yes. Right. Yeah. Cause they, they were at that time they were talking about giving the block explorers stats for their drivers, for the cars. And that's when cars mm-hmm. were coming out. And that's when I started going into them kind of heavy. I, I always had a small collection, but um, yeah, I thought, wow, you know, it's a good chance to get my hand on some of these early ones and, you know, see what comes of it. But uh, yeah, just waiting. Yes. Um, yeah, I've, I've got a swag of them myself, but I just, I've got them all up for sale at just kind of stupid prices in my Block Explorer MetaVenture shop. If they sell, they sell. If they don't, they don't sort of thing. So I'll just wait and see. There, there is still talk about that um, with the racing. I believe that will come to fruition hopefully in 2024, but, you know, it's just one of those things. I have to wait and see. Now, Going backtracking a little bit, um, now you 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 said you built a Spark Web. I believe I had a look before. You you got twenty Spark or something like that. Is that the sound about right? Just now, a bit over twenty. Yep. Did now were you part of the original snapshot or did you miss that for the first airdrop? I was part of the. I didn't get Spark when you got Spark, but I didn't have to wait too long after. Yeah. So. So that was another significant investment where you put, you know, we had the node concept. We were all about, we were all all about building as much as we could with the information that we had at hand as fast as we could. So the bloody the spark rates, I shake my head looking back at now the spark rates for renting spark at the time. You know, I I think I spent like forty million upex building out Midtown Terrace. Like I could probably do that for five million nowadays. It's just incredible that how that's all gone. But um, yeah, big investor in the early Spark and a big kind of believer in the whole 
develop these properties projects and you, you talk about waiting for things that are going to come eventually well one of the things that I, i'm always saying is well what, what's the point of this like why are we building this shit is it for utility and the classic comeback is already well you've already got utility you can apply for a meta venture i'm like yeah that's not kind of right yeah technically that's true but morally and ethically i'm not so sure about that I, I agree. I agree with you. And it's really still hard to, to fathom what is the use case for these buildings. What are what are we going to do with hundreds of thousands of buildings that are basically empty, just sitting there? What's what's the utility there? Um, but yeah, at the time, I kind of did what you did. I, I, I was uh, gung ho. I think I threw up like 20 apartments in South the market. And mm. uh Man, the the rate at that time, I think I was paying four hundred thousand upix per apartment. Yeah, so I I got I got slaughtered there too. Yeah, it's crazy to look back on that. Um, how much is, how much of that? Like, I've kind of reflected on this myself a bit too. How much of that disconnect between, you know, what we as a community have read into the information we had and the kind of moves we made, and then. But if you look back on some of the stuff that Uplands put out there as far as their kind of vision for the future, I don't think they ever really envisioned singular players like yourself. I think at myself, I, at my peak, I might have had 6,000, 7,000 properties or something. Um, I think that they envision that, no, you're going to have three or four or maybe five properties where we've just gone ballistic in the other direction. And maybe they haven't been clear in their terminology or they just they put the information out there and we do with it as we see fit something. Yeah, yeah, I, I think you're you're kind of right there. I, I think they never really thought that people would want to buy so many properties and, um, you know, they just never really told people not to do that, even though it probably <laughs> probably wasn't the best decision. Yeah, so recently I've dialed mine back as well. I think I'm 3,000 and something properties now, but I'm still looking to drop another 2,000, um, just yeah. kind of slow and steady. I, I, I think you can you can probably treasure hunt with, with 15 to 30 properties, and then apart from filling collections, I, I don't see a lot of reason to hold a, a large inventory of properties. It just, it just really doesn't make sense. Yeah, well, now is a prime example of that too. We have the we have the winterland wonderland or whatever they call it season as far as decorating your properties with um, the structure ornaments. Um, back in the day, I went just ballistic buying up those um, so I could decorate mid ten terrace. Basically, every property that had over three hundred properties in mid ten terrace, I could decorate most of those with these kind of winter ornaments, Genesis ornaments, whatever the bloody hell it is. Now they put this crate system in where you got to move each little individual crate. And I'm just like, I may, if I could be bothered, move one crate to my primary residence and decorate that. But long gone are the days of me decorating the entire neighborhood or anything. Yeah. It's like a gigantic hurdle with no reward. It doesn't really, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Well, they've since brought in, they've brought in a new thing in the last week where if you decorate your building at the certain time of the year, you can go in the drawer for prizes and that. So that's kind of some kind of functionality, but the, the amount of time effort required to move all these bloody things is just mind blowing. And that was on the back of this blew my mind when this happened, I had 
I don't know how many structure ornaments I've got. It'd be over 300. And they just scattered them all over the freaking world. Here you go. Just freaking everywhere. Welcome to Upland. Whoa. So I, I was on holidays in Japan at the time. And I just, anytime we're on the train, I just move them, move them, move them onto my, um, I've got a structure and ornament showroom. And so I moved them all there, lined them up, and I've just got them all for sale. If they sell, they sell. But yeah makes you scratch your head it's like what what is the purpose of doing it like that didn't it take them more time to do it like that you, you would think I, I don't know yeah maybe it could be maybe it's one of those eventually things where it will be streamlined in future if we finally get paid transportation mechanics uh there was uh, i think it was laban put a he got a screen image of a drone flying over one of the cities holding a crate so maybe that's going to be part of the future uh utility or something who knows so I think that because is there a thing I'm forgetting as far as your early days, your entry into the space, that sort of stuff? Oh, I think I think we touched on most of it. If we if we did forget anything, nothing's coming to mind right now. All right. So that's all. Uh, that's the early days. And then there's there was kind of a at least in yours and mine relationship, there's kind of a few pivotal moments there. One was um, the UDU was the. We came up with the whole spark train concept where we would go through and build out each other's properties. Well, we, at the time, we were building out the public's properties um, in a kind of coordinated effort. Our kind of first big blow up kind of, and that's what kind of led to our kind of disassociation was, I guess it was kind of a miscommunication between how that that all played out. I'm, I have a very bad habit, which is ongoing to this day, where... I put this, I often put stuff out there and just expect that people know what the fuck I'm talking about, where nine times out of 10, they got no goddamn clue whatsoever. So, and then I get frustrated because they don't pre understand what I've put out there. So, that kind of saw us part ways back in that day was related to that and the whole building process. Abs classic miscommunication. And then we just never resolved it properly. Yeah, it's it got quite ugly back in the day, but we kind of, you know, I think as ugly as it did get, we we did get together in a kind of private Zoom and kind of hash things out and we kind of got past that. And that that kind of, I kind of just forged ahead with what we were doing with the UDU, but that kind of led you to really kind of double down on what you had envisioned for the Sunset Project. And I know um, I'll put in the show notes that you teamed up with Kaiser 12, who was another big player in that area in that space. And that's you, you guys did um, a whole bunch of like uh, community engagements, giving away massive prizes, um, trying to get that whole system up and running as well. Maybe speak to, you know, yeah, as ugly as that got, there, there was some positives that came out of it. And you went, you found a new direction, you found a new purpose and, you know, kind of forged, started forging your own path. Yeah. So unfortunate that you and you and I fell out and, yeah, it is what it is. But we we both started finding well, you continued your success, and I I found a, a new path, as you said. And we we kind of had a, that last formal meeting where we both agreed to disagree, basically. And yep. it was it was mutual, so that was kind of the end of it. And uh, that I thought I thought that was fine. You know, it, it is what it is. And um, so I started, you know, kind of looking around. What 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 do I do now? What's next? And um, well, um, me, me and Kaiser, Kaiser 12, uh, started talking and, and he had another, uh, YouTube channel at that time. And That's right. it was, 
it, it was pretty pretty successful YouTube channel and uh, I thought hey this guy's pretty cool and I was watching his videos and then we started talking and we were, it, it actually didn't start off as we were gonna do sunset what, what we were doing was we were comparing San Francisco to Manhattan and Manhattan just kept plugging away up and up and up and San Francisco was kind of lagging behind as far as those floor prices and we we were talking we were talking back and forth like hey we got to do something here because he he also had a lot of San Francisco properties and we're like, hey, what? why is San Francisco lagging so much? So we were looking around. And, and at that time, Sunset was actually holding down all of San Francisco for the floor. Sunset was the cheapest properties available in San Francisco. And we said, well, that's no good. So let's turn it into a node. And then so we just we both we both just focused our efforts on the Sunset. And within a matter of a couple of weeks, that that floor price in Sunset just started going up and then of course, all of San Francisco started rising with it. And we thought, wow, we're on to something here. Let's keep going. And so we uh, it was actually Kaiser's idea uh, to come up with the uh, the build contest. And so we went ahead and launched the sunset build contest. And we did a couple of those build contests. But uh, of course, we had to start with the first one. And we were learning, experimenting. We didn't know exactly what we were doing, but we were able to learn from what you had done and other nodes had done. And we had a general idea of what we wanted to do. And um, of course we wanted the prices to go up, but uh, we were also trying to build a node and we started getting traction on our, we, we both had YouTube channels. So we both used our channels to promote that. And we started getting traction from, from people that were already there in San Francisco in sunset who wanted to join a node where they already had properties and we were also able to bring in people who weren't there from our YouTube channel. So it was kind of kind of sweet. And it started to, to grow into a, a, a pretty substantial uh, community pretty quickly. And I don't remember the exact numbers right now, but the contest idea was to build, you know, as many houses as you can and so many by this date or, or ex I don't remember exactly what it was. And we had quite a few houses shoot up in that, in that period of time. And of course we had nice prizes to in, in, encourage people to participate. And I'm proud of this. We Kaiser and myself and a, a third, I'll, I'll call him a third partner. I won't name him. Uh, we all, uh, we all contributed to the largest prize in Upland history that I know of. Uh, so during our, our second build build out contest, we gave out over 3 million upics including a, a, a 2.1 million upics grand prize Price to uh, shout out to you. Yeah. Shout out to Ulysses. He, he was the winner of that. And uh, so that was really cool. It brought a lot of excitement and buildings just kept popping up in sunset. So we, we went with it until things kind of just got sour with Upland in general. So, yeah, well, I think that whole process where, kind of a limited time frame to build as part of a coordinated push and it's going to be you know prizes involved we've had we have seen lots of other people pick up that concept i know radish head with um holliswood he's holliswood nerd he's done similar i believe the um uh the ninjas the hyde park ninjas they do something similar like that and a lot of these uh smaller node groups that are out there with their own discords do similar kind of things internally so i think you as far as that kind of public push and public kind of involvement that you you were the the first group to do that at least yeah and it was it was a, a bit of fun for everybody they 
you know, people had a lot of people had properties in Sunset already that they were just not developing at that time. And it was an encouragement to get them to start developing those and instead of waiting on it. And of course, new people joined in also. And yeah, there was there was some periods of time where there was a ton of spark in Sunset uh, directly correlated to our our build out. You know, I, I think you and Portage Park at the time were kind of competing for the amount of spark that was involved in one go. And yeah, Portage Park, the, the numbers there, are, are they relatively the same size neighborhoods, 14,000-ish properties? I don't know if they're, they're pretty are. close. I yeah. don't remember the exact numbers. They're both really big neighborhoods, yes. Yes. So yeah, as, as we mentioned with our kind of personal stuff that we went through, it's never always puppies and rainbows. You're talking about people with different personalities. You're talking about... Uh, like yourself with significant financial investments, um, different ideologies, you know, different expectations, this, that, and the other thing. And is, yeah, it's, it's not all puppies and rainbows at some point that whole, that fun jovial side, it, it did start to turn. Was there, was there any kind of one thing that kind of turned that over or was it a kind of um, death by a thousand paper cuts? That's, that's kind of my personal thing. Like I'm a classic whiner every week. I do a podcast where I whine about this, that, and the other thing where I kind of just, and and it may be because um, I've reflected on this recently too. It may be the reason that, you know, I've had blowups and I've whined about things, but pretty much 98% of what I've got in Upland is all house money based on crypto profits. So I'm not talking, you know, I didn't put, you know, 50,000 USD into this thing. Is that, is, is there something there or am I imagining that or is, was there something else that, you know, I, I'm not really aware of that whole history of where things started to sell. Um, I'd say, you know, to, 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 well, I'll start with the money, right? It, to, to me, it was a large amount of money and definitely more than I wanted to lose. Yep. And I started seeing some things that made me think, Maybe it wasn't as sound of an investment as I had originally thought. So that made me want to pull back a bit. And then, uh, you know, kind of the death by a thousand paper cuts thing. Um, just just rub, rubbed the wrong way one too many times, I guess I'll say. Yeah, it was. I know because um, there's, there's been situation. And at that time, Upland started to crack down on dissent within the within the general community or whatever, where they're trying to that they're trying to increase the involvement of new players. And there there was and there is still a lot of frustration out there from the well-established player base that, you know, we've been reading these roadmaps, we've been listening to these ideas and promises and whatnot. And we're saying, okay, well, when is this all going to happen? Um, was that part of it as well? And then we've seen the people that were banned from the community splintered off to form their own communities. And then that kind of vibe kind of fuels almost like an echo chamber of, you know, a turd storm or something. I don't, I don't know how you'd say it. Um, I would, I would say, you know, it wasn't any one person or one particular event that, that made me decide that it was time to exit. Um, I, I think, you know, just, just with my, my personal situation, and the way I saw things progressing wasn't exactly what I had envisioned. And 
you know, maybe, maybe some promises that were made that, that didn't get fulfilled and just that kind of thing. Just, uh, eventually it got to a point where I felt irresponsible leaving the money in. So I was, I was, I was, it was just time. Yeah. I I think that's kind of reflected in your chart as well, where, you know, you got up to a peak there. So what's that? That's 19th of April, 2022. And then, yeah, there's a fa- fairly gradual taper off there where you can see that you're clearly starting to, you know, you're starting to cash some out in the game um, or at least pull back a bit. And then there's quite a big drop off there. And then you've kind of had another drop and then pretty plateaued from there. Um, that was kind of the that was kind of the general aspect of how things started to go bad, but then things got really bad to the point, I believe, where, and this is where the, your kind of YouTube channel changed to this kind of almost guerrilla tactics thing where you'd put some information out there. And it's, it's, uh, is that something that you did deliberately? Because if that's deliberate, it's, it's an awesome, it's hilarious. I don't know. It's hilarious. It's awesome. It's um, very clever, like to get, I, I I can remember because I'm because I'm not in the PT time zone. I miss out on a lot of that stuff. So I'll wake up and I'll I'll try and catch up on the chat, and they'll be, oh, did you catch that latest DJ Shorts video? And I'll go over and check. I oh, know it's been gone. So yeah, it was. <laughs> how was all that <laughs> interplayed? Uh so so you mentioned that I I did the video with Idan. Yeah, and uh, I think I think that that video is a particular sore spot that Upland has with me. Mm-hmm. Um, not, not because of the content of the video, but because I put the video up and then took it down. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that was just me playing around with my channel, but I think they took that the wrong way. And I, I really didn't mean anything by it at the time. Um, but then, uh, you know, fast forward, uh, I, I felt bad. I, I felt like I should, uh, I felt like I owed people information about yes. what I was doing be- because I had, I have almost a hundred referrals through, through my YouTube channel, a hundred, a hundred, a hundred people signed up for Upland through my YouTube channel. And I put out a lot of content promoting Upland and promoting sunset and, and, and just, just promoting Upland in general. So I felt like I owed it to people to even, even it out a, a bit. And then uh, I just gradually turned into more and more of just, degeneracy and me just having fun with it and uh i i had given up the idea that this channel would you know my my youtube channel would be an upland youtube channel i i I had given that idea up so i just kind of crashed and burned it as as you may say and uh yeah almost like a comedy thing at this point yeah I, i think it's for people for people who don't in air quotes know you um I think some of those videos, they might be just like, what the hell? And I know some of those ones that I caught, you, you could tell that you were kind of half tongue in cheek with some of the stuff, but I think there's, there was a mix of um, some truth and, you know, whatnot. You, you particularly have a unique personality where you're not afraid to say what's on your mind or to go to places where other people might not be willing or comfortable to go. So yeah, that's. I, th- I think that was a fun play there, but a lot of people would miss that vibe and just take it purely on face value. 
Sure. And I, I get that. And I'm sure I've said some stupid things that I shouldn't have said, but uh, it, oh. it was mostly, mostly in jest. Uh, and I, and if, if I did go too far and anybody was offended, I, I do apologize. Some of those, I'm sure I said some stupid things. So, Oh, we've all said heinous shit out there, mate. I'd, I'd hate to see if somebody crawled through and clipped out some of the shit I've said, um, whether it be in public or private. Yeah, that's, it is what it is. You know, you, you try and do better and move on. Okay, so that was, yeah, you, you had one of the earliest, most popular YouTube channels, um, significantly invested in the game, significantly invested in the community, Um kind of felt that you were you were overexposed almost and looking to pull back and i believe maybe it was was it that pulling that idan video down that got you removed from the ucm broadcasters or was it other stuff and then that kind of snowballed with these other videos to the point where you know the list is long uh banned from the upland general um banished from the community um uh, mu name muddied here, there, and everywhere by all sundries, and I'm not completely innocent in that. Like I said, um, if people could screenshot some of the shit that I've said at different times, it wouldn't be nice. Um, is it was that all part of the snowball where things kind of got really, really bad? Um, you know, that's a good question. I I don't really know the answer to that. To be fair, uh, you know, I think. Once I got once I got kicked out of the UCN, they were much more willing to take those next steps with kicking me out of this, kicking me out of that, kicking me out of everything they could possibly kick me out of. Right. Yeah. And um, uh, the reason that they booted me out of the UCN, I, I, I honestly don't know. I, I really don't. Um, and most of the other stuff, I honestly don't know either, to, to be frank with you. I, I really <laughs> it's it's just like a, a blur most of it i don't even know why what happened and who who said what or who i offended i couldn't i couldn't even tell you um yeah. to be fair it's it's confusing for me um but uh yeah i i really don't think i did anything like overly egregious or or in or, you know obscene like def I definitely didn't do anything criminal, you know, yeah. and uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where that line is that I crossed, but some somebody thought that I crossed some line, obviously. And, you know, it just kept escalating. Yeah, it, it may have been like, again, I'm not fully aware, but I know that in general, Upland seems to they put up with that sort of stuff to a certain point and they either get canned, but it's when things start to become personal that they really kind of, well, that's enough of that. And that, that goes two ways, of course, as well. I, I know from our history, like if, if you look back on some of the chat we had at the time, you know, it's things get nasty quickly and that kind of has its own snowball. But then if, if you step away and you look at it again a week later, you'd think, well, what the hell was that? all of that was just completely unnecessary sort of thing. You know what I mean? Right. Right. And, uh, you know, I, I was frustrated, you know, Sometimes support wouldn't get back to me or wouldn't give me a satisfactory answer. I'm sure, you know, that played into it too. So just probably along those the, a million paper cuts, I'm, I bet they kind of feel the same way, you know? Yeah. Now you, you did try and pull out, I know you, you were, you were actively trying to sell your accounts and we, we've seen dozens of players do this, sell their entire account. I've bought entire 
players' accounts back when it was a kind of grey period. But you were doing it the legitimate, legitimate way, saying, look, here's all my stuff. Here's what I think it's worth or here's what it says it's worth on the open markets. Here's what I'm willing to sell it at. Send me a DM. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, oh, I don't know if I should say this. I hope he doesn't hate me, but, uh, I, I did that after Dizzy Deesky bought in Venom's account. So yeah. that, that I thought, you know, this is okay to do. And, um, I, I just went ahead and, 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 and did it like that. And, and the reason I wanted to sell all of it at once is because, well, people who are around saw what happened to the floor in San Francisco. And I knew that would happen because I was so concentrated in San Francisco and there's only one way for the price to go if I'm just going to unload thousands of properties. So I knew that would happen. Then I thought it would, it would be in my best interest and everybody else's best interest also if i just do this a deal with one person or, or a group or whatever you know i and was openly. i was open to, yeah right right yeah. just transparent like this is what i'm doing and and this is who's doing it with me and i wasn't trying to do anything shady yeah um and yeah it it, it never materialized for whatever reason and then that's kind of when when you look at my chart that's kind of after trying to sell my account for several months. Uh, that's when I finally said, okay, I'll just do it one by one. And you could see that you could see that in the chart. Yeah. I, th I think that that dizzy in venom kind of deal that got uh, a lot of people's nose there joint because it was kind of, it seemed like a backdoor deal. I know I got, I, <sighs> some of the messages I had with him venom after that deal went down um, because, you know, in venom was there, at the forefront of the the creation of the UDU concept, it was Balboa Terrace and Midtown Terrace. Um, he had a bunch of Midtown Terrace properties. You would think, well, I would think if I was going to sell my entire account, I'd say, hey, Ben, do you want these Midtown Terrace properties back? Where instead he just sold them all for one UPX or whatever it was. So I said, well, what the fuck, man? And he's like, oh, I, I totally forgot about that. I'm like, come on, mate. So that, that was kind of the end of that for me. Um, but what that deal did was I... I think it brought everything to light that had been such a gray period as fine as far as buying out accounts. Like, like I said, I'd bought out several accounts. I'd bought out, uh, bought Upex on the on the um, off kind of platform system. That was rife as far as you know, um, uh, what it collection swapping and all of that. I had very big, still today, well-known players reach out to me and say, hey, I've got this guy who's trying to sell his UPX, which you buy it for crypto, and they kind of um, manage those deals on the back end. But that whole Envenom uh, Dizzy Disky thing brought everything to light, and I, kind of, I think it helped clarify what was a very grey area. So now now we do see we do still see account, accounts being bought out, but, yeah, it is public. It's all done in-game. Um, I know for myself, probably, well, it was actually when I was in Japan as well, I, I kick myself now because the prices have plummeted, but I kind of FOMO'd into an S1R racing car, like the original ones. Um, I paid big money in UPX plus a, a Bitcoin component on top of it, which was, of course, done outside of the platform. And then I didn't even think of it at the time because I was just FOMO into this deal. But then I kind of reached out internally to the team and then I paid community pool fees and whatnot. So that's as kind of greasy as that was back in the day. It, it did help to clarify things as far as what you could and couldn't do. 
yeah, it, it was all a gray area. And, you know, in, in crypto, crypto is completely permissionless. You know, you don't have to ask anybody anything. Yeah. And my view was it's all on the blockchain. If anybody wants to find this stuff out, it's not that difficult. So might as well just do it openly. Yep. Yes. So that's, you know, I, I don't know if you want to get into this. It's entirely up to you. Like, I believe as part of that, you're trying to cash out system. You had some sort of issue with Tilia and then there's miscommunication between uh, stuff that Upland was telling you or what Tilia and basically from what I believe now, the situation is now that you are not only banned and kind of or jailed and banned in Upland, which restricts what you can do as far as selling your properties, but that you're also kind of blocked from selling your properties through Tilia. So you're kind of caught in no man's land. Um, I don't know how much you want to go into that because again, I'm not aware of what actually went down. Um, so Tilia sent me an email out of the blue. And at, at first I thought it was uh, scammers. I thought it was spam because um, it was written unprofessionally i'll say kind of sloppily mm. um it looked like it was just thrown together haphazardly which is and a classic was very... crypto scammer tactic yeah Exa exactly yeah. It, it looked fake it looked yep. fake it, it turned out it was actually from tilia mm. but i didn't i didn't i just i just deleted it and i didn't even think anything of it like okay somebody got my email mm. um and then uh they sent sent me another one a couple weeks later and i thought hmm yeah, usually the scammers don't send another email, uh, or at least they try a different tactic. So I looked into it a little bit closer this time and discovered it was a real email. Thought, huh, okay. Uh, so I, uh, and, and what, what Tilia um, was, it, it, like I said, it was a confused, it was written confusingly. And um, what they, what they asked me was specifically, was about the quick movement of properties. So they were curious about properties that I minted in Los Angeles and sold for USD. Um, and they called it quick movement. And the question that they asked me was, do I expect that kind of activity activity to continue? And so I told them, no, I, I said, no, I don't expect that type of activity to continue. Um, and they got back to me and they said, you've got a week. And you can see this on my chart as well. That's that next dip down. They said, you've got a week. We're shutting down your account. I said, wow. Okay. So I cashed out, um, you know, as efficiently as I could. And, I, you know, yeah, that one down there, that, might be that there, was, yeah. uh, that would be there. So I was, I was under the gun. I was like, I do not want to leave this money stuck in here because, I don't think this is a threat. I think this is a promise. I think they're going to shut the account down and mm -hmm. they did. Um, and so I didn't say anything about it for a while. And um, then I started, you know, reaching out to Tilia again saying, Hey, can you turn this back on? I, I let like a month go by. Hey, can I, can you let this go by? Uh, can you turn this back on? And they're, they were slow to respond. And then eventually they just stopped responding altogether. Um, so then I got frustrated and I just walked away from it, everything upland for a while. And I came back and I said, well, what can I do? And so I let people know through my videos and it didn't seem like 
people believed me or they just didn't take it seriously or I don't know. I thought people would have some sort of reaction uh, to that, but they didn't really have any reaction to that. So I said, well, I got to try and do something. And I said, well, let me see if I can still put properties for sale for USD. And mm -hmm. so I, I could still sell them for USD. And well, let me let me rephrase that. I could still put them up for sale for USD. Yes. Uh, no, nobody was able to buy them, which which a lot of people know that now. Um, so I, I said, well, how, how can I get people's attention? So I went to the all, all the tier one cities, bought the cheapest Upex property, waited my three days and then put them all up for sale for three dollars. And then sure enough, that got a lot of people's attention. And then uh, Upland jailed me for, for that. They said that uh, it was market manipulation. So uh, I was in violation of the TOS uh, and I didn't even bother, you know, responding to them, you know. What, what, <laughs> yeah, so yeah. that that that's that's where it's at, and uh, yeah, uh, Upland hasn't returned an email in two months, and Tilia is is past three months now. So, so that was the yeah, that was the classic floor lock situation. Um, just want to dial that back a little bit to unpack something there. You you said the justific justification for getting blocked from Tilia was quick movement of properties. What what was the what, what 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 does that mean? What's quick movement on properties? Ben, I could not tell you. They said that I minted properties in April and sold them for USD in May. They didn't give me any specific dates. They didn't give me any specific properties. They didn't give me any other information. It was it just said quick movement. That that's all the information that I have. And they did not provide any other information when I asked. But that's a well-established tactic all through the community where, especially in city releases, people, myself including, buy up the UPX floor or mint up the UPX floor, wait the three days and sell for under mint in USD. And that, that's why I was surprised that people weren't having any reaction to Mytilia getting shut off because in my mind, that's, that's a giant red flag that everything is now out the window. They're turning mm. accounts off. So that's is that where kind of the conspiratorial aspect started to kick in where okay this is not just some this is not something that's been flagged on the system this is like almost a personal like uh, focusing in on your account. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. As as I said, I know it's a touchy subject and you're saying what you can um I I don't know I legitimately don't know the history based on no what I do know is third-hand conversations based on, or oh, did you see that DJ Shorts video? Yada yada yada. All right, so, so, so you find yourself now. You you still have what? What do you still got? Like still two hundred something properties. Still, you said you got a bunch of NFLPA legits, block explorers. Um, are you just going to ride that out? What? I guess you got at this point. You got no no chance. What you can do? You're forced to ride it out. But are you? Assuming all of that was turned back on, are you looking to just, okay, I'm just going to sell out and just completely move on? Or would, would you just sit there? Like, a, what, what would be the play forward here? Um, I don't know what Upland could say to me that would make me not want to cash out at this point, you yep. know, but uh, I, I would have to imagine if I had access that the first thing I would want to do is 
liquidated. I, I you know, as I, I really enjoyed Upland. I had a great time and I really, you know, I, it was a lot of fun for me, but it's a bit scary to know that they're willing to do things like that basically on a whim yeah. as far as I'm concerned. Uh, so I might want to keep a little bit of it, but why, 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 why would I want to stay? I don't know. I can't yeah. think of a reason. So, yeah. And yeah, I think that that whole floor lockup point, that's where a lot of noses got put out of joint, but you, you were just basically, it's like a, I can imagine myself. There's a big red button. Hey, what does this button do? You know, <laughs> you know can I list this problem? Oh, this button does actually do something, and then away you go. Yeah, okay. So yeah, I I didn't do I didn't do anything. I wasn't accused of anything except yeah. for quick movement of properties, and uh, I didn't do anything that I hadn't been doing for years. Yeah, yeah, and like I said, as as far as quick movement of properties, well, that's what everybody does. That's that's the classic move. So, yeah. All right. Well, um, you're wanting to move on. You, you, I, I would imagine just from a personal thing, you just want to, you know, get this resolved, put it all behind you. What would a realistic and satisfying resolution look like to you? Would it be like being able to just completely cash out or being able to negotiate a complete buyout with somebody else that then could be facilitated or, you know, how, how could this be achieved? Do you think? Um, that's a good question. I I've been thinking about it. I, I hadn't thought of a complete buyout. Um, I'm not sure what opportunities exist. And then also I have that, that 20 spark sitting in there that, yeah. you know, that always that always is in the back of my mind. Yeah. So uh, I I was kind of you know thinking, do I wait for Sparklet? But yeah, um, yeah. You know, at, at this point, I have very very limited access to my account, so um, it doesn't it doesn't really matter. Um, but I'm open to ideas uh, as far as far as a resolution goes. What makes sense in my mind is somehow a a uh, conversation is arranged between myself and a community manager, probably like an X one and kind of if, if he has any information to give to me or I can give him any information to make the alignment get back into line so I can get access to my account in Upland and Tilia turns back on my service and then I'm free to buy and sell as I please. I, I would be happy with that. I think, I think that that's, you know, at least then I have the ability to, uh, to, to, to access my account. And, um, and, and if I was able to, uh, find a deal with somebody to liquidate all or most of the assets too, I, I think at this point I'd be happy to do that as well. So some kind of mediation looking to, to kind of streamline the process or something. I would, I would assume, I mean, I don't think they're out of the blue, just going to turn it back on, uh, uh, you know, and, and they're not, they're not communicating with me. So yeah, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Well, I wrote a couple of points down there to unpack as well. Um, Sparklet. Yeah. I didn't even think of that. Like um, if, if your sparks are locked up, but we do know Sparklet it's, it is going to a crypto thing. So there's a swag of potential money, like in real life money, just sitting there that you 
I don't know, is I would imagine there's going to have to be a KYC process. With you being blocked from Tilia and banned in Upland, does that impact on your KYC status? Or I've got no idea. I wouldn't think so. I think I'm still KYC verified. I just don't have the ability to use the account. Mm. Well, hopefully at least that, once that whole Sparklet situation comes out, hopefully if that's something you're willing to pursue, that you can get that out and do with it as as you will. because that is what crypto is supposed to be all about after all. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The other thing I wrote down, which, um, yeah, I, I remember th- this is something that raised my eyebrows back, you know, when, when there was talk about you trying to sell out your accounts and then there's news, DJ's just bought 500 block explorers or something crazy <laughs> like that. Well, what's the mentality there? Like you, you're looking to get out. Was, is that because you are selling stuff in UPX and you got this massive pile of UPX and again, it's burning a hole in your pocket. What, what, what the hell am I going to do with all this? <laughs> well, that's, that's part of it. But uh, uh, shout, shout out to thank me later. I, uh, I was looking at his account and I said, you know what, before, before I leave, I'm going to get more block explorers than thank me later. And that was right when, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I think I bought one more than he had. I don't, I don't remember. It wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't much more, but uh, that was me just being petty towards thank me later. Mostly. Uh, on the yeah. way out the door. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> nice. All right. So yeah. Um, so that's, that's kind of the full spectrum of the journey. Now you're kind of in this limbo sort of situation looking to move on just as we wrap up. Um, as you move forward, uh, is there any other Web3 projects that you're looking into? I'm, I'm, I would imagine you're still involved in the crypto space. Um, as you do look to move forward, uh, any hints, tips, not financial advice, do your own research out there? You know, I, I keep my eye out all the time, pretty much every day. I'm looking to see what's new and what people are talking about. And um, as far as Web3, I, I think at this point, it's anybody's guess who, who's going to who's going to take off and who, who's going to get left behind. I don't know any better than anybody else. You know, obviously you've got sand and mana and gala. And then, you know, right there in that conversation is probably upland. And those are probably the four big metaverse plays to look at right now. Um, and, you know, the, the first three apart from upland are, are pretty much coin plays. You pretty much buy the coin and then NFTs are like a secondary option. And um, who, who knows, you could, you could play the coins, you could play the NFTs. It, it's hard to say. I think they could all do well. I think they could all flop. There could be regulation that comes out tomorrow that sends them all to zero. Yeah. Um, and then as, as far as, as crypto goes, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a big believer in the, in the top 10. I think most of those are, are pretty safe bets at this point. Um, Ethereum, Solana, definitely you know i think are going to have solid futures and then um for like a small cap coin i like uh i like the richard hart ecosystem i like what he's doing with um he has hex and he has created his own chain and there's a a coin called pulse or pulse x um you can get it very cheap right now way under a penny like i think it's like four zeros one is the current price or thereabouts um, so you can get a big bag of those cheap and, uh, his first coin hex went to the moon, you know, did hundreds of X's and had crazy returns. And I think his, his new coin could, 
do something potentially similar, not financial advice, but that's one that I've got my eye on closely. All right, mate. Um, yeah, I just, just want to say thank you for being willing to have a chat, you know, to look past, like I said, our very complex and at times murky history and just being willing to being, you know, open and candid about uh, your current struggles and what you're going through. Um, wish you the very best of success for a resolution. I hope that, you know, some kind of mediation or way forward can be achieved. I think that'd be best for all parties involved. And yeah, just want to reiterate to say thank you for having a chat. Absolutely, Ben. Great to talk to you and thanks for having me on. Leave it at that. Thanks, everyone. Catch you later. If you have an Upland, NFT or Metaverse product, service or event to promote, or you're just someone engaged in Web3 who'd like to have a chat, send me, Ben68, a DM on Discord or drop a YouTube comment to discuss and secure your spot. This Metatainment production is brought to you today by the Samurai Aquatics and Decor MetaVenture, one of the premier and original destinations for Upland UGC map assets in the Upland Metaverse. Samurai Aquatics is thrilled to offer an introductory price on selective items for a limited time only this November and December. First up, glide into the festive spirit with the magnificent Samurai Sleigh. Normally priced at 34,000 UPX, this season's must-have flex piece is available to you for just 29,000 UPX or 25 USD. And for those of you out there looking to add a touch of romantic style to your upland spaces, the Love Heart Jacuzzi is making a splash. Regularly $15, it can be yours for the introductory price of only 12 USD. This is a USD-only item and is the perfect asset for you to pretend to warm up those chilly upland evenings all by yourself or with your special someone or someone. Ooh, la, la. And lastly, don't miss the full set of five Christmas spirals, a colourful addition to any of your structures or blue pixels in the upland metaverse. Now at an exceptionally value of 90,000 UPEX or 75 USD, down from the regular price of 126,000 UPX or $126. To reserve your set of Christmas spirals, you have to send a direct message to me, Ben68, on Discord. Sale is on now at 30 Aqua Vista Way in Midtown Terrace, San Francisco, and will expand to our other showrooms in the coming weeks. Remember, these exceptional deals are only available in November and December. Sorry, there were. Shitsurei, Tashimasu.